Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hey guys, it's Jess here, another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast, and we have a really cool guest on today. We have Holly Griggs-Spall, who, among many things, is also going to talk to us about fertility, um, the DAISY fertility tracker, which you know Laura and I have been using. So we're going to dive into some basics behind the fertility awareness method, just so you guys kind of understand what that is. And then y'all had so many questions about the DAISY when Laura and I posted about it. Um, And I figured it would be wise to bring on someone who really, really knows the answers to those questions. So we have Holly on today. Thanks for coming, Holly. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. (laughs) I'm going to jump in and give um, our listeners a little background about who you are. But Holly is the author of the best-selling book, Sweetening the Pill, or How We Got Hooked on Hormonal Birth Control. She is a consulting producer on a documentary inspired by her book, directed by Abby Epstein, and executive produced by Ricky Lake, which is currently in production and due for release in 2019. That's incredible. Um, Holly's op-ed on the pill and mental health side effects for The Guardian was ranked as the most read comment piece of 2016. The story went viral, became a Twitter moment, and as a result, she was featured by The Washington Post and interviewed for NPR and CBC. Vice named her the poster girl for a movement of women abandoning the pill in favor of contraceptives that don't wreak havoc on their body and mind. Holly's work has featured has been featured in both American and British Vogue. She has collaborated on an article about the pro-period revolution with Alanis Morissette and produced a piece on male birth control options with, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Mayim Bialik. Did I say that right? Oh, I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) I know her as Blossom. That's how I know her. Um, Yes, this is how we all know her. Yeah. Holly is a speaker, most recently at South, at South by Southwest and at Loom in Los Angeles, and leads workshops ongoing, ongoing off hormonal birth control. She's also a brand ambassador for the Daisy Fertility Tracker, which is what we're going to be mostly talking about today. Although now that I'm reading through your bio in depth, I realize we should definitely, I wish we had time to talk about hormonal birth control today, because that is such a huge topic right now, and one that... Mm. We see, so our podcast really delves into all aspects of women's health, pregnancy, preconception, fertility, and I feel like there's, we hear so many stories and we have so many questions about, I was on the pill for 10 years and now I'm having a hard time getting pregnant or I haven't gotten my period back and it's been months and months and months. And it's just one of those Mm -hmm. things, you know, I think as, as young women, especially in the United States, it's like. Six, around 16 years old, it's like, oh, our period's a little bit weird or, you know, our skin is breaking out or, you know, we just want to go on the pill to be safe just in case. And it's so common. And I can speak for myself as well. Um, I had been on the pill for like 10 years before I got off of it. And it's crazy. Same um, here. Yeah. yeah. It's so, so common. Um, and so I know, like I said, I don't, we probably don't have a ton of time to dive into that, but oh my gosh, such a great great um topic and what you're working on to get that information out is just incredible doing a lot of work around that topic even though the book came out some time ago so if people go to the facebook page i have for the book which is just sweetening the pill um i post all the new new interviews and things and articles that i do there so they can certainly catch up with my work if we don't have time to cover it today Awesome. And yeah, absolutely. And if we do have some time at the end, we should definitely dive into it. Um, today we're at, yeah, today we're actually going to talk about, um, we'll talk a little bit about it. So we're going to dive into how hormonal birth control can cause issues in our health. Um, 
in general, just a basic kind of recount of what exactly fertility awareness is as an alternative to hormonal birth control and how the Daisy Fertility Tracker is one of the most accurate options on the market in terms of hormonal birth control alternatives. So are you excited to talk about all this stuff? Is this like your life's work? (laughs) <laughs> yes, it is my life's work. <laughs> I'm yes. super, I'm super excited. And I have to tell you, I've really gotten like deep, do- deep dove past, past present tense um, into like women's health recently as I've stopped, knock on mm. wood, having children, um, haven't used birth control in a couple of years, got on board with the daisy, loving it. Um, and then looking mm-hmm. at even like. Um, it's definitely more effective than knocking on wood. I can yes. tell you that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It makes me feel so empowered. Honestly, it makes me feel like even before I use a lot of like tracking apps, like, oh, you should be ovulating around this time because that's just it's the very gener- common. Yes, this is a generic woman's, you know, pattern. Um, and I've used that in the past and, you know, we've never had any, we've always had planned pregnancies, but now the information that the daisy gives me just about my own body and like how I'm feeling and how accurate it is and it matches up with my symptoms and stuff it's just incredible it makes me it's like Mm. it makes me want to geek out on all of the the information and I can't wait to get a few cycles under my belt so I can really see like patterns you know yeah and I think that's the a lot of women, like mo- most women these days, will have used a period track app at some point. Um, unfortunately, like those period track apps can be can be kind of good for telling you when to expect your next period. Although they can also be quite stressful in making women think that they're late when they're mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually they they have no business telling you when they think you're fertile or ovulating um, because there's no way that they could do that for you uh, based only on period start date start date data mm-hmm. um, but a lot of them do it because they're using what's essentially I call the digitized rhythm method to make those um, well not even calculations but um, guesses mm. uh, and so yeah a lot of women do use those and unfortunately they do think that that's in your side to be super regular you'd have to never experience delayed ovulation due to stress or illness or anything else for 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 to be able to trust that kind of method um, and even then like at some point it will catch you out so it's it's very yeah it's very common um, which is why as you say the daisy is gives you so much more data and you're actually actively tracking your fertility with um, a fertility sign so you're doing it in a evidence-based that's amazing so before we dive into that, because I, I can't wait to, we have a lot of questions on the Daisy. Um, tell us a little bit about more about yourself, how you found your passion, how you got to where you are, and kind of why you're doing what you are now in this space. Okay, so um, as you mentioned before, you know my story is very just in that I was on the pill for ten years, from seventeen to twenty-seven, um, and experienced a myriad side effects during that time but I also specifically took a very popular pill um, called Yasmin or Yaz it was known as here uh, which caused me some very severe side effects specifically mental health side effects which I detail in my book Um, and those side effects led me to do research as a journalist into why I was experiencing this why it was something I never thought I could experience from the pill um, and the women were experiencing it. Um, the answer was yes, the women were experiencing the same thing. And I actually ended up writing a blog that was, you know, back in the time when blogs were the way that we communicated this sort of thing. Um, and the subtitle was, who am I when I'm not on a pill? So the blog became about my transition off the pill after 10 years, as well as a place to discuss all the research I was doing at the time. Um, and that's where my story began. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, it became a book and then it was optioned to be a feature documentary, which is in post-production now. Um, and then, you know, part of that book is talking about fertility awareness and a good few years into my personal use of fertility awareness for um, avoiding pregnancy and just for self-knowledge, I was approached by uh, the company that makes Daisy Fertility Tracker and they asked me to try it out and the great thing for me was that I was always being asked by journalists like okay so 
the pill is causing women all these problems, but what's the alternative? Um, and I would say, you know, well, I practice fertility awareness with condoms. And they would say, well, this seems like a lot of effort. It's not going to be plausible for that many women how many women will be motivated to study and learn this method or to practice it every day and I would have to say well fair enough um, and then I was introduced to DAISY and sort of the burgeoning fertility uh, method technology um, field and it really was like oh okay so this could make that fertility awareness an alternative for many 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 more women um, and my goal has always been to help women come off hormonal birth control if and when they want to, uh, necessarily from side effects. And Daisy really has proven itself to do that time and time again. Um, it really makes it very easy for many more women to use fertility awareness as part of their um, efforts to avoid pregnancy. Uh, so, yeah, that's where that's how I got to where I am now and talking to you. That's amazing. I love your story. And I feel like so many, so many women are going to be just nodding their heads along like, yeah, oh my gosh, like I had the same thing or I felt the same way. I was on the pill for X number of years and now I'm off of it. And it's like, what do we do now? Um, Because like you said, there, there's, you know, hoping for the best and praying, like if you're trying to avoid pregnancy, you know, praying that something doesn't happen that's that's not necessarily planned for at that time but I feel like for people who really want data and who want more of a um what's the word I'm looking for a consistent way um to track that the daisy has just been it's been for a science-minded person like me very very reassuring and obviously it's not like it's not birth control and the effect that you're taking something. It's birth control and the fact that you gather this information. You have the knowledge of when you're fertile and when you should avoid unprotected intercourse. So it's like you still have to take those steps to Im- uh, with act on the information that you're getting, but it's so much more accurate. Oh, absolutely. So Daisy is, uh, is going to tell you when you're fertile and you're during that first many women who've tried to get pregnant will know very well there is a fertile window in the cycle and there are times when you cannot fall pregnant um and that you have to time sex during that fertile window to get pregnant um that daisy tells you when that fertile window falls each cycle which could be different each cycle mm-hmm. slightly um for most women it will be you know within a certain zone but it will change and, and fluctuate um, and on those days that you're told you're fertile with a red light with Daisy, yes, you, you then have to have contraception if you want to have um, PIV, penis and vagina, like baby making sex. Um, <laughs> so most women who are using Daisy choose condoms on those days. Uh, some women abstain from PIV sex on those days and wait till they get a green light again, which indicates that they are not fertile anymore and now outside their fertile window so yes you absolutely you're doing an action every day of taking your basal body temperature which is a fertility sign as i said um and so you're actually tracking your fertility in real time every day um but you're also having to make that decision so you get the data and it's your choice so you know with the red light okay i'm fertile today um is my choice that i'm still avoiding pregnancy yes okay so you know you have to use a barrier or avoid pivc sex if you're trying to plan a pregnancy then you know oh okay so this is when I can get pregnant right okay and we're going to talk about some some kind of I would say myths or misconceptions about fertile windows and things like that because I think um at least for me it's like you know when I went went on the pill when I was in high school it was like then you're just paranoid like I can get pregnant at any time I can get pregnant by someone looking at me like pregnancy was like the scariest thing to yes. me at that that point because I felt like at any point you can get pregnant, but it's not necessarily true. And you're going to tell us a little bit more about that. Um, and I feel again like most people, it's funny too when we started trying to get pregnant, like really tr- wanting to be pregnant, it was so much more difficult than I <laughs> expected. Mm, it anticipated, to be. yeah, because yeah, you have this mindset, I guess, when you're avoiding pregnancy that it's a scary thing and it can happen like, like I said at any time. Um, but it really does take this, like this beautiful orchestration of all the right things occurring at all the right time. Um, which isn't always necessarily easy to nail down. So that's the cool thing about the Daisy is like, even though you may not be trying to get pregnant or even thinking about pregnancy, 
when you're using it, it's giving you the data for, for when you are prepared, um, just to be more in tune with your body. Like, I, I don't know. I, that's the thing that I've really loved about it so far. So, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I mean, I was the same. Um, I think we all remember being teenagers in high school and thinking that, you know, you could get pregnant from being in the same hot tub boy <laughs> yeah. like anything and that breeds a lot of fear and obviously disassociation with your body and your you know, disconnection with your what's actually going on with your menstrual cycle and fertility and unfortunately that means that we make a lot of decisions for ourselves from that fear fearful place mm-hmm. um but, but it also means that for many women and there's no shame in this it was the same for me same for many many women is you are on the pill for a certain amount of time and you come off and you don't you realize that that's that's been the uh, perception that you've been taught and that's what you you think could occur um that you could get pregnant at any time you're not aware that there is only a six-day window each cycle in which you can actually get pregnant um and you you know that you know, women are actually only first fertile per se for 24 hours which is 24 hours that egg survives uh, the rest of that time is made up by the sperm lifespan uh, which is five days maximum um, and that really is for many women totally mind-blowing information it was for me um, it, it gave me the confidence to come off the pill when I needed to but it's very um, important information for a lot of women to kind of absorb and understand and then from that point you make decisions do you want to do uh, what do you want to do for your contraception, you know, that what, but also what do you want to do for your reproductive health in general, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we dive into some of the questions about the daisy, can you, I'm sure you know a ton of information on this, but talk to us a little bit about just like a brief history of hormonal birth control that um, you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners. Yeah, so um, some interesting facts about it is that it was originally tested on both men and women. Mm. Um, And, you know, the history of testing of hormonal birth control reflects sort of the time that this was done, which is that it was mostly without consent, uh, mostly tested on on, um, minority and oppressed groups, groups of of women and men, and then later just women who, um, you know, didn't have a lot of information at the time and suffered the consequences of side effects and sometimes worse. Um, And, you know, the interesting thing is that at the time it was rejected um, from testing for men because of the side effects that they experienced. Um, One of them that um, people are always surprised about is that it would shrink their testicles. Mm. But obviously, you know, the interesting um other side of the coin to that is that you know the pill does have an effect on the size of ovaries um but of course they're internal so we don't we don't see them it's not a visual visually available to us so that wasn't seen as so important and so it went on to be, be developed for women um and then you know the it's been changed a lot over time the first pill ha- had a very high synthetic estrogen content uh, women were severely affected by that for the first 10 years or so after the pill's release um and then um controversy around that um, caused uh, the insert to be included in the pill packet which is the list of side effects that we all see from that piece of paper that they include in your pill packet and obviously now we have many different delivery methods including the hormonal iud the hormonal implant uh the ring the shot um, and more to come i'm sure uh, most of these are either synthetic estrogen and synthetic uh, progestin or they are just synthetic progestin all of them suppress ovulation as their main um, action in preventing pregnancy aside from the hormonal um, IUD and the progestin only pill which have other actions in order to prevent you from getting pregnant uh, not all women completely stop ovulating especially on the hormonal IUD um, so yeah now we're at this point where uh, many women are still on the pill, but also many women is, uh, are now taking, you know, you, taking other options like implants, hormonal IUDs, etc. Right. And so I think I read something recently, something like the IUD, like uh, people were asking about the copper IUD as an alternative. Um, and I know there's some some side effects specifically to the copper IUD that are not necessarily the same as hormonal birth control. But what's the one... Don't they like release some sort of 
toxin that to male sperm is that how it stop? It doesn't necessarily stop you from ovulating, but it like kills the sperm apparently. Which is sorry, which is this you mean? I think I was. I think it was an IUD or something. Oh, of you mean a different action? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they make the cervical fluid um, inhospitable to sperm. So another sign as well as basal body temperature is cervical fluid. Uh, cervical fluid changes throughout your cycle. So you have fertile cervical fluid, non-fertile cervical fluid, or you just have no cervical fluid. Mm -hmm. Sperm needs cervical fluid to survive um, and to be carried into the, into the uh, uterus to find the egg. So without that you can't really get pregnant mm -hmm. um so it's another fertility sign so yes some of them um the copper iud the hormonal iud will have some action on that uh just only pill also has an effect on that and i think combined pill as like, like a secondary or effect on the body is also doing that as well um so um ovulation prevention is the first but it was all it's also doing that um as a second very old tertiary action and that's basically makes the sperm they can't they, eat, they can't survive in your body without that um hospitable cervical fluid yeah gotcha so and then so you kind of already talked a little bit about what it's doing hormonal birth control and how it's affecting women's health in terms of like cycle but what mm. have you seen where what do you know what is hormonal birth control doing that we know of that's re that we've researched to women's health and especially like side effects. Like what are some common side effects um, from okay, hormonal so birth control? Some of the, yeah. So some of the big research studies that women will have heard of most recently um, have come out of the university of Copenhagen. So we had some important research studies on its impact, impact on clinical depression um, in terms of the correlation between using hormonal birth control and women's experience of clinical depression. Um, and this was a study that was a long-term study. Uh, many women over many, many years, which is the best way to study any impact on mental health um, with a medication. Um, they did a secondary study linked to that, which was regarding suicide risk and um, hormonal birth control use. And this included not just the combined oral contraceptive, but also the progestin only methods um and then the same symptom well, not completely the same group i think a similar group from the university of copenhagen um came out with a study regarding breast cancer risk recently um which has been something that you know there's never really been a, a, a great uh, quality long-term study on um, now there is that suggests there's a correlation so for me i was on the pill for 10 years um and my risk was uh, um, increased my breast cancer risk was increased by over 30% according to that study. Um, wow. And yes, and of course, in my book, I talk about the, my mental health side effects from the pill, which did include depression. I would call it subclinical depression, as well as anxiety and things like panic attacks. Um, and, you know, at, at times it was pretty dark for me. So I really appreciate that this research has come out to validate um, my my own research um, and, you know, the, the hundreds of women I interviewed in the process of writing my book and um, beginning with the blog, really, um, and since the production of the documentary has begun. So all of this has backed up what I already had seen and knew, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, we've, you know, that, that more research is now coming out that's a good high-quality research that we need uh, to validate this and to get this information into to doctors and the people who prescribe these medications. Yeah. And that's incredible. And I'm just thinking about my own self on the years that I was on birth control. Um, mm. you know, I, I, looking back, I, I talked about this on our last podcast. Um, you know, I was called stressica during those years. I was a very highly anxious person and I always, I always yes. thought that like, that was just because of the time of life I was in. I was in college, like, there was a lot of things going on. Um, and now where I am, obviously through a variety of different, for a variety of different reasons, I'm a much less stressed person. I'm much less likely to go to an anxious state. And I always think, oh, it's just because I've gr grown older and I've gotten, you know, tools. And while that's probably true, you know, it just makes me like kind of scratch my head a little bit. Like, was it more to do with maybe being on hormonal birth control for a straight 10 years. 
So I don't know. And I guess well, I can't. Yes. And, you know, I had. Mm. Go ahead. No. Oh, sorry. I had the, yeah, I had the same experience. Um, and of course, many women look back and question, like, was that a response due to a, being a side effect or was it a response because of the in, my environment or my choices or um, my job or my relationship? Um, and I think, you know, obviously when you're on something for 10 years, that's one of the reasons it can be very hard to research and why these studies need to be long-term mm-hmm. um, because, yes, other things can be factored in, absolutely. Um, for me since I've been off it's been eight and a half years like the change in me is so significant despite the fact that I have not led a less stressful life mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know I've moved countries um, I've moved cities um, that I, I I just you know I, I can get stressed but my response to it is very different um yeah. you know it's night and day so yeah totally. I think you just you even I think you I think women know women know their bodies you know um what is going on and what's different for you and how things change um and you know most of us have quite an intuitive sense of that so totally absolutely and I think even more so intuitive since I've come off the pill the last, it's almost been, it's been seven years for me. It's because, you know, like you Mm. said, on the pill, you have a tendency to just, like, it's not at that point in life, usually too, it's, it's something that happens every month. You don't really have to think about it other than like, how am I going to, like, am I going to wear pads or tampons or cup or whatever? What am I going to do to manage it? And then it's boom, right back on the pill so that, you know, you just get back back to business and so now it's been a really cool process of like understanding my body what it's doing what what does a period mean like I didn't even you know I was one of those women that was just like I didn't even know like your urinary tract and your reproductive tract was like two separate things until I Mm -hmm. got into college and I was like what Mm -hmm. what like I mean mm-hmm. you kind of understand that it is but like you don't really understand your own body so it's been quite a cool process to see and I'm sure that's probably very similar for a lot of women out there um so you kind of talked about it a little bit already too but what exactly is going on in a women's cycle and you can keep it very basic every month and how can we work with our cycle to track it you talk about cervical mucus and um, all of that stuff as one mm. factor, but what does that mean? Like, mm. and with the Daisy, I know it's tracking your basal body temperature. What exactly mm-hmm. is it seeing? Is it picking up on to tell you when you're fertile and when you're not fertile? Oh, absolutely. So let's start with that. So the basal body temperature is your resting temperature. Um, you take it the moment you wake up, and that's how you get that data. So it's after you've had about a minimum of three hours rest you take your temperature and that's your basal body temperature your resting temperature now <clears throat> the reason that's a fertility sign is that it actually um goes up very slightly so you get slightly hotter just after you ovulate um and then it will actually go down again just before you get your period okay it's a highly sensitive sensor like the one that you, is used for Daisy, you can pick up that step. You could never pick it up with a regular fever thermometer. It doesn't work that way. But you can pick up that, that step and you can see in a chart or Daisy can track with the data that you have ovulated according to that fertility sign and when your period is due. So it's a very, much more sophisticated way of knowing when your period is due that yeah. a period tracker app which as I said before can sometimes suggest to you that it's late when it's not and it's wonderful because if you understand this data you then are really empowered to know oh okay I know I'm going to get a period within the next two three days yeah. um I know I you know according to this fertility sign I know I've ovulated and so Daisy uses that data plus a unique algorithm to set that fertile window because the fertile window needs to be set prior to the time you ovulate because as i mentioned earlier um part of that fertile window that that is actually the sperm survival um so your sperm can survive in the female body for up to five days maximum that's a generous uh length of time for most sperm these days unfortunately (laughs) um and um so that is makes up your fertile window and daisy calculates that but also provides the days around that so you're not only going to get six red light days you will get more than that um and 
so what you're doing there is you're tracking your fertility cycle essentially that um, you have a time after you ovulate when you are not able to get pregnant because you will not ovulate again you're only going to ovulate twice within a 24-hour period which is how you get for uh, fraternal twins Gotcha. Um, you won't, wouldn't ovulate and then ovulate again. So after you've ovulated and your basal body temperature has indicated that, then you know you're not going to again and that you're not fertile. And so women like that because if you're in the kind of long-term relationship where you don't want to use condoms all the time, you're not worried about STDs, you can know you can have unprotected sex during those days. And that is the vast majority of your cycle. So um, for most women, they'll have an average of with Daisy, like nine red lights. Some women may have a little bit more. Um, and then the rest of your cycle are green lights or your non-fertile time. Um, and then during that time, you know that you are 99.4% certain you can't get pregnant. <laughs> so that, that's, that's good odds. <laughs> and I think, yes. And I think that, you know, you said, like what most of us grow up thinking and being, you know, effectively taught that you could get pregnant um, and it's just a matter of degrees at any point in your cycle uh, when actually that's not true there really is a time when your body isn't going to um, get pregnant because you don't have um, you, your eggs only going to live for 24 hours and sperm can only survive for those five days and those two things need to meet for this conception to occur gotcha so eye-opening I hope this is I mean I'm sure a lot of people may know this intuitively, but it's really cool how it all interacts and how you have to have the cervical mucus for the sperm to survive. And like all of these things you have do. to be yes, like in place for it's it not. Yes. And yeah, yes, exactly. And of course, also, you know, the sperm health needs to be good. Mm -hmm. We, you know, there's a lot of attention now on male fertility. Um, if you want to get pregnant, I mean, it's interesting. They've done studies into how many women are waiting IVF and things like that are aware of when they are ovulating and most of them are going by what many doctors will still tell you which is okay so you're probably ovulating around day 14 of your cycle plan to have sex around that time um it's no more scientific than that mm -hmm. unfortunately so that means that there's a lot of people who are not probably timing sex because if you've been in long-term relationship perhaps you're not having sex all that frequently so you could very <laughs> easily miss that six stay window right mm -hmm. it's not that long I mean yeah. it's just a week where you wouldn't have sex and you'd miss that window so you know the thing is is that you know we're often going by some very old sort of mi medical myths I call them which is this idea of like the regular cycle is 28 days you ovulate on day 14 all of these things are just estimates that don't really um, reflect what real women experience with every reproductive cycle so, yeah, it, it, it tends to be quite new to a lot of women. Um, and, yes, of course, there's other factors involved too. So um, Daisy will give you your fertile window and those red light days, um, which is basically the time you can get pregnant. Hi, friends. Laura here with some exciting news. Four Sigmatic has come on as a Modern Mamas podcast sponsor. We are so excited. If you've been following along with my Instagram stories, especially, you've seen that I use this stuff every single morning. The Lion's Mane Elixir is my absolute favorite. I add it to my boosted coffee for an extra boost of brain clarity, productivity, and focus that I genuinely did not experience until I started adding this in every day. They also make other elixirs like Rishi for calming, Cordyceps for an energy boost, and Chaga for an immune boost. Along with those elixirs, they also have really cool blends. I love the Lion's Mane and Coffee blend when I travel because I don't have to worry about getting my hands and lips on high quality coffee. I have it ready to go. All you need is hot water, you mix in the blend and you're set. They have caffeine, caffeine free options as well, like a chai latte and a turmeric latte for gut health and skin glow and all, they have all kinds of incredible blends. I cannot recommend enough that you go check out their website, find whatever mushroom blend is, is going to fit with your lifestyle and give it a try. The awesome folks at Four Sigmatic have offered our listeners, you guys are special, you get 15% off any order. If you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash modern mamas or simply type in modern mamas, all lowercase, all one word at checkout, you get 50% off. Check it out, see what fits your life and happy shrooming.
absolutely you can't get pregnant outside of that time but you also need other factors so you need that healthy cervical fluid you need good sperm that's healthy um and a hospitable uterus as they say Mm -hmm. which is always such funny language um a uterine lining that's able to hold a fertilized egg all those things have to come into play too Gotcha. I Wow, you answered most of my, the next questions, which was, and I, I'm assuming the fertility awareness method is taking this information and being aware of your fertile period, and then making adjustments accordingly based on where you are in your desires to have children or not to have children. Is there anything more to it? I know it's a pretty broad term, but fertility me- awareness method as an alternative to hormonal, hormonal birth control, is that essentially what it is? Well, it is, except I think a lot of women who use it after some time really feel it adds more to their lives than that. So for, I think you alluded to it earlier on. For one thing, you know, the menstrual cycle is your uh, fifth vital sign, mm-hmm. uh, which means that tracking it um, gives you a lot of insight into your overall health, uh, reproductive health and beyond that. So, you know, uh, changes in your, your menstrual cycle and your fertility cycle um, that you can track using the fertility awareness method can indicate issues like thyroid problems, hormonal imbalances, PCOS, uh, even like food allergies and intolerances, uh, chronic stress and the effect on your health. Um, And so tracking it really can add a whole layer to understanding what's going on with your body and help with early diagnosis of some common issues that women experience. But I think also there's another side, which is sort of this emotional empowerment side of it, which is that Women feel very in control. Um, They really take that knowledge as a really great foundation for making a lot of decisions for themselves. Um, It affects your relationship in a really positive way. I often hear this and I experience that myself. The communication and cooperation that's involved is really important. Um, And um, I think that having that body connection connection and insight can also change your relationship to your body positively. So, you know, we talk about um you know accepting and loving your body aesthetically as it were and this is really sort of changing your perception of your body from the inside out um through showing you how amazing it is you know that you may have been uh got to a point in your life where you know previously you've just all you've known about periods is that they're a nuisance and they you'd rather not have them um and then you learn all about this information of the menstrual cycle and and how it plays into your overall health um, and your moods and your shifting skills and things like that, that it's, you know, it's actually kind of incredible. Um, And I think that can be really powerful for some women. Absolutely. I've really gotten interested into what you're alluding to, kind of like that cycle syncing where you can figure out like parts of the month or parts of parts of your cycle where you're more apt to be a better communicator where you're more apt to have more energy or more um endurance for certain types of exercises where certain foods might be more supportive of where you are in your cycle during certain times it's like it's so powerful and i feel like we're just scratching the surface when it comes to how do we support women because women are cyclical men are not, (laughs) you know, we go through this cycle Mm. every month and it affects us, um, in multitude of ways. I mean, I'm saying men are not cyclical in terms of like hormonally and all that stuff. Um, Mm. it's pretty even for them, you know, for the most part. Um, but it's just incredible once you start to deep dive into that and you start to learn more about it, how you can just support yourself, support your body, support your mental health, um, based on your cycle. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, um, most of we're learning more and more now. Uh, medical research has and um, our understanding of biology has been based on the idea of the male body as the model or the ideal. Um, much research hasn't even included female subjects or uh, animal or human research um, because it's just seen as an outlier experience, even though it's over 50% of the population's biological experience so yeah we really are just about catching up and the great thing about fertility technology is it allows us to create to create these masses of data um and that gives us more understanding and um you know like with the uh, daisy they did a study recently into endometriosis and basal body temperature which women volunteered to offer their data in order to be able for them to study that with a university 
uh, to understand better more uh, uh, how what are the symptoms not not are the symptoms but what are some other signs of endometriosis that we may not have discovered yet. Um, so you know there's so much scope for that, but as up until now, you know, it hasn't really been of interest in the medical field because it's just the way things have been have been based around the male biology. The interesting thing about that is, of course, that men do experience. Uh, hormonal shifts it's not cyclical but they have the highest testosterone levels first thing in the morning mm-hmm. um, and they slowly ebb lower and lower and lower until the evening and then they start again in the morning at high and then they go down again and then they start high and then they go down again <laughs> so they do actually have they do actually have something of a pattern right. um, it's just always been assumed that men are, are static and women are changing right okay well and I'm glad you clarified that I mean, I, you, I think you can, I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to embarrass my husband, but <laughs> you can tell that hormones shift during the day for a man. Yeah. And you're totally right. And I wonder though, is there research about how this affects them, not just physically, but like mentally? I mean, I know this isn't a podcast about like men, hormonal health. But... Oh, absolutely. I mean, think about in, okay, for example, in like the, the tech industry now, for example, mm-hmm. um, all these companies, they put all their big me- team meetings at 7 or 8 a.m. in the morning hmm. for that reason. Or the fact that we're encouraged as a whole to work out first thing in the morning, right? That's yes. based on research on men right? Because their testosterone is highest. They have more energy and they have more endurance, stamina, etc. Um, you know, everything in our society is actually shifted to the male model as it's seen, um, you know, in terms of how we structure everything in our work and consistency, etc. Uh, we don't, you know, pr- productivity is, is, um, seen as like, you know, you, you, uh, front load the day with meetings, etc. Um, and also every day is the same, uh, whereas if, what women would actually, you know, if we were looking at cycle syncing science, then you're looking at this idea that women are more um, inclined to um, have certain skills at certain times, which doesn't mean there's any time in which they're not good at something. Right. It just means that they be able to more easily do a super long day shift at one point in their cycle and at another point in their cycle they would more benefit from flexible hours um or at one point in their cycle they're um very very skilled um in planning and at another point in their cycle they're very skilled in presenting for example um so yeah it's 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 interesting it's it's if you start looking for it and you realize like even like science around a lot of diet culture like keto paleo uh, science around wellness and health that isn't you know women specific most of it is if it's trying to talk to women and men it's really only talking to men wow that is so true and now my wheels mm. are just spinning it's just crazy it's crazy and and it's cool to be in a time of uh, in our culture where women are becoming more aware of this and actually taking steps yes. to really really dig into our own anatomies, our own, you know, everything that has to do with us us as women, unique, specific, like we have a unique, specific needs and desires and cycles. And, um, it's just really cool, really cool to be a part of that. So, um, thank you for sharing that information. Um, do you want to talk about the Daisy? We've got quite a few questions. Do you want to jump in? Oh, yeah, please do. Okay. And I will say I've had the daisy for about two and a half cycles now. And so it's still calibrating me. Um, I know it takes a couple of cycles to really get like nailed down. It does. Um, like for, so for instance, for the past like week and a half, I've had red days and I'm like, this is a lot of red days. But, you know, it, it seems like it's still just getting to know my body. And I think I read that it, it starts, yes. you have more red days to begin with until you really get yeah so it takes three yeah it takes three cycles to learn your cycle so it's looking for three cycles of data in order to start being able to set your fertile window um and your period start date and things like that um it's an investment in time you have to put in that time it's not instant gratification Mm -hmm. um it needs that information in order to be accurate Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and Daisy works on a caution bias. It's not going to give you green lights unless it's 99.4% sure you should get green lights. That's the way. That's how they manage to be um, as safe an option for women as it is, really. That's incredible. So we had this question. I know a lot of people may be tracking their temperature and other methods. So one of the questions was, what are the advantages of the DAISY over a traditional um, basal thermometer? So DAISY has the basal so the sensor um, the great thing about the base body temperature thermometer included in the daisy device is that it doesn't average out temps most of the other ones on the market will eventually average out a temperature and just choose that as your data point daisy actually waits till your temperature stabilizes until it chooses that data point and that's the true basal body temperature data point if you're taking your temperature in the morning when you wake up so that makes that like technically the difference but it also contains this database which creates the algorithm so it's taking your temperature yes but it's also um logging and tracking that data and now analyzing it for you so then it just gives you your fertility status as a red or a green light um if you're using a basal body temperature thermometer you know something that i did myself then you do need to know how to interpret that data mm -hmm. and the only study in terms of using that data to and interpreting it effectively for avoiding or planning pregnancy shows that you do need to study with a, a certified practitioner to be able to uh, fully understand it to the point that you can use it in that way um, of course you can do that there's some great fertility awareness practitioners out there um, but for women who either uh, um, don't feel they have the lifestyle in which they can effectively do that don't feel inclined at it um, cannot invest time into studying then the daisy does provide an easy simplified alternative um, to what i call manual charting basically Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to interject and I was like, I don't have time for that. I mean, I barely have time to I mean, I do have plenty of time, but I'm like laying there because you're right, it does have to calibrate. So it takes about a minute or so maybe 30 seconds to a minute where you're, you have it under your tongue and you're just waiting. Um, and sometimes mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is taking forever. In the scheme of things, it could be a lot worse if I was actually having to manually chart and mm -hmm. interpret my temperature. So totally worth it for me. Um, mm -hmm. that's a great answer. Um, so in terms of, so this, you know, we get this question a lot, like I am six weeks postpartum, my midwife or my, my practitioner asked me what kind of birth control do I want to go on? And I have mm. no idea. And so I know a lot of times now people are, you know, choosing what they view as healthier options, like the non-hormonal, like copper IUDs and things like that. Um, why would someone, why would you recommend someone choosing the DAISY over other non-hormonal options? Okay. So I think that right now we don't have as many non-hormonal options as we do hormonal options mm -hmm. um, available to us. So basically you're choosing like a copper IUD um, which works for a lot of women, doesn't work for a lot of women. I've heard great stories. I've heard not great stories. I think it really depends on the individual. Um, obviously, it has its own side effects despite not being hormonal. Mm -hmm. But it, it is a great option for some people. Um, or you're choosing to use a barrier every single time you have sex, which for most people, if you've had a child, you're in a long-term relationship, and you're not really wanting to do that all the right. time. And you also know that those methods have um, a typical use effectiveness that's relatively low. And, you know, you have to make sure you're using it correctly every time, all of those things. Yeah. Um, and so then that really just leaves you with either vasectomy <laughs> or <laughs> sterilization. Right. Which, you know, most people, they'll maybe consider that later on when they're sure that they're done with having their children. Um, and, you know, men are not always receptive to vasectomy. Um, and then you have fertility awareness methods, essentially, which you would combine with barrier methods. So, you know, the thing is, is with as I said, with fertility awareness methods, you have many different options there that um, I call manual charting that are tracking different things. So, you know, for one, for example, you would only track your cervical fluid, which is called the Billings method. Um, for um, another, there's a symptothermal method, which is basal body temperature and cervical fluid and manual charting. Um, and with Daisy, as I said before, it kind of just makes it 
simple. And I think if you've just had a baby, you're six weeks postpartum, you don't have consistent sleep patterns. The great thing with Daisy is you don't have to take your temperature at the same time every day, which is what you have to do with manual charting and also other technologies on the market that are similar. So you don't have to take your temperature at the same time every day. So one day it can be 3 a.m., one day it can be 6 a.m. You only need the three hours sleep prior to taking your temperature. And we had a question about that. So that is good to know. Yes. And um, if there is anomalous data, then Daisy can disregard it. You can also miss some days and not have too much of an effect on your chart. So, um, you know, if you're missing four days a cycle you'd be fine so okay. it is very simple it's a two-step process you're taking your temperature every day it takes up to 60 seconds to wait for it to log your temperature and then you just tell it when you get your period um, and those are the only th- two things you're doing so it really cuts down on user error potential and, and the uh, possibility for mistakes and missteps which you know is a you know when you've got a new baby it's a time when you've got a lot of different priorities and and you know sleep deprivation and things that means that you might be more prone to, to not being able to do those calculations yourself um but it also means you don't have to use a barrier every time so yeah. if you're not worried about stds you're in a long-term relationship majority of your cycle you can uh safely go without barriers which is you know a lot of a lot of women and men prefer um yeah so that's how i would see it Okay. And so since we're kind of on that subject and we're talking about postpartum, um, we got quite a few questions about it. Um, when it would be appropriate to use postpartum. So if someone doesn't have a period back, it's obviously mm-hmm. not going to be accurate or no, or what? So, well, the thing is with Daisy is it needs period data. As I said, it's a two-step process. One is taking your temperature every day, but the other is telling when you get your period. Mm-hmm. Daisy can't orient to your cycle without a period. Okay. So if you still don't have your period, you're only going to get yellow lights until you enter that period. Is it accurate? So in, oh, in, sorry. Um, well, the accuracy, it, it's accurate in that it's not going to give you any green lights. Right. <laughs> it's going to so say... That's what, I mean, it is accurate, yes, because it's not going to give you any green lights. So you either start, decide to start taking, there's two scenarios. You would either decide to start taking your temperature every day just to get into the habit of doing it. You can look at your charts on the Daisy View app. If you're knowledgeable about what charts look like and the rise and fall of ovulation and period, you may be able to spot ovulation from your chart alone. Um, but you won't get green lights until you enter your and from that point on, you have three cycles for Daisy to learn what's going on in your body. Um, and so up until that point, you are going to have to use condoms anyway. Um, and then when you get green lights, you know you can go condom free for those green lights. Um, but you won't get many green lights for another three cycles after your first postpartum period. Gotcha. So is it accurate? So say you just want to, for fun, you're trying to figure out when you're going to have your period back with nursing if you're nursing or something, or maybe you stop nursing and you're just waiting for your period to return. Like if you started taking your temperature, would it accurately predict your first ovulation postpartum or no? no. Okay. No, it needs to have a period um, before it's going to start making any of those kind of predictions. So okay. no, Daisy won't tell you. And of course you ovulate before you have your first period, right. you know, uh, approximately 14 to you know, eight, 16, 18, maybe less, maybe nine days after. Gotcha. So you, yeah, no, it's not going to tell you that. The only way that you could use Daisy to know that is by looking at your chart on Daisy View and understanding the temperature shift. Okay. So you would see in the chart the temperature shift because it's going to give you your temperature data and your chart. It's not going to give you any lights or colors, but it's going to give you your temperature data and your chart. So you could use that to potentially manually. understand what's going okay. on and manually chart your cycle. But no, um, whatever women do is, like, you know, some women up to that point rely more on cervical fluid. So you will produce fertile cervical fluid when you first ovulate prior to your first period. Gotcha. Okay, Mm -hmm. perfect. Um, Is it effective for women who struggle with things like PCOS, irregular periods, adenomyosis, or endometriosis, things that just aren't what we would call regular cycles? 
Yes, yeah, so it, Daisy is designed for women with cycles between 19 and 40 days, which is most women, really. Okay. Um, if you have longer cycles, you will get more red and yellow lights because your ovulation is delayed. And so the longer cycles can be frustrating because if you have them regularly, you will get more red and yellow lights. Um, and so, you know, sometimes women don't see the benefit in that when they're not getting many greens at all um, but within that 19 to 40 day time frame you can have fluctuations we daisy the reason you take your temperature every day is that it daisy's designed on understanding that women don't have a- absolutely regular cycles um, so with pcos the common situation is either you having very long cycles um, or you're not having periods or you're only having periods every every few months some women with pcos do use daisy because pcos comes in many different forms and the 19 to 40 day window can and still work for some women with pcos um but some women you know if they have a cycle that is like 60 days and then and then um, 40 days, and then they don't have a period for six months, and then so on, then they w- might be quite frustrated. Right. I was going to So essentially, people or women with, with these conditions or, or their cycles acting this way, they could use DAISY effectively as long as it has more of that. It's in within that 19 to 40 day, more consistent Yes. Cycle. So the women, yes. Yeah, so the women we have that use DAISY have PCOS, they're using it because they do want to know when they ovulate and if they ovulate when they have the understanding like that they may have more reds than greens gotcha. than the majority of women who don't have pcos gotcha but so it's still going to be accurate for that yeah so when okay. i said yes within that window so when i said an average of nine red lights for women like that probably wouldn't be the same for a woman with pcos gotcha yeah okay perfect um you already answered the what if you don't sleep well question as long as you get three consistent hours of sleep you can take your temperature yes consecutive prior to temping so say you know you know you definitely gonna got that sleep between midnight and 3 a.m and then you got up to use the bathroom or take care of the baby or whatever it was you temp them before you get out of bed um say you have a night where you don't really get to sleep until 2 a.m but you wake up at six and you can temp then um so really that's how it's created is that you can do that Gotcha. What happens if you, you kind of alluded to it, but like, so this morning my alarm went off on my phone, but my phone was plugged in across the room. So I jumped mm. up and I went and turned off the phone and I came back to bed and I was like, I don't know what I should do because no, I already jumped you up. You can't take it. No. Okay. The moment you move around your basal body temperature is no longer your resting temperature. It's your active temperature. Gotcha. So if you get up, go to the bathroom, you can't get up, come back. You can't get up, have a cup of tea. You can't have a glass of water from, from your um, from your bedside table. You can't talk to your partner. You need to do it first thing that you're conscious and aware to do it. Gotcha. Perfect. That's a good question for myself, actually. Um, and then I think we're, <laughs> we're wrapping up, actually. Um, one of the questions I got, I know a lot of our, our listeners have asked, well, how much does it cost? You know, is it covered by insurance? You know, what would you, how do you, for me, I've already broke down the cost myself versus like using hormonal birth control for a, p- a number of years. Um, but mm-hmm. how do you answer the, it feels expensive. Is it covered by insurance? All of those types of questions. Okay. So first of all, Daisy is covered by HSAs, FSAs, and some insurance policies. Okay. It's really a case by case situation. Women are often helped by uh, their doctor giving a letter of medical necessity. So if you can get a doctor to give a letter of medical necessity, this can be an MD or an ND, naturopathic doctor, that can be really helpful in getting it covered by your insurance. Mm -hmm. We also have two payment plans, PayPal credit and a firm. A firm now allows you to pay only $20 a month over 18 months and you still get your daisy like within the week. That's awesome. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, and the interest isn't, there's interest on the 18 month option. There isn't interest on the shorter options. Um, but the interest is actually very, very reasonable. Um, and 
so we do we have developed those in order to make daisy more affordable um for women more women and uh, and an option for more women it's 330 dollars mainly because it's made from start to finish in germany gotcha. they do not ship any part of the process out to a developing country where they can pay pennies to workers mm-hmm. everything is done in germany so obviously you know they have very high standards for working um in terms of payment and everything um even comparatively to the us or yeah. definitely comparative to so so that's the whole process is overseen um uh from all the components through to the construction through to the testing everything that's incredible Um, i mean i assume you you don't want to pay for cheap birth control if this is going to be your primary way no and the other great thing is as you mentioned i mean over it's tested up to seven years it should last you longer with good care um through that's through you know if you start when you're in your late 20s 30s then you that's through wanting to avoid pregnancy and and when you want to plan a pregnancy and back again you just reset the device mm-hmm. um after you give birth you can start using it again to avoid again so you know it's a it's a it's an investment but it's a long-term product and you know throughout that time you have constant access to customer support not just for problems but if you want to have a cycle analysis you can email your data to them um, and they can take a look at what's going on with your cycle and, and advise you and help you to understand better yeah and that's incredible and I was just doing the math myself like I, I don't even really remember how much birth control pills cost me every month but I would say on average it's mm. like 10 to 20 dollars a month um, and if you're going to pay that over even just like probably like the per- a period of three years, you're going to already have paid the amount that it would cost you to buy a daisy and the daisy is going to outlast that. Um, so, and for me, it was kind of like a no brainer. It's delayed gratification. It's like, do I want to pay monthly or do I want to like pay now and not have to spend any more money mm-hmm. for the next seven plus years? Um, and to yeah. me, it just and with seems- the FM, you can just pay $20 this yeah. month and still get the daisy. Yeah. So absolutely. like for, you know, if it really isn't something you can't hand over that kind of chunk of money, which is perfectly understandable, then, you know, we are, we have now developed other options for women who are in that position. That's incredible. Such good stuff to hear. Um, and it's, it's, I, I hope that cost is never a barrier to non-hormonal birth control. And it seems like you guys have really, really worked on a way to make this accessible to people. So that's incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to share that with everybody. Um, yeah. And I think it's important. I have this, you know, we talk about this a lot in that, you know, so it's a female led company, uh, the CEO, Nathalie, Reckberg uh, created the Daisy. You know, uh, I can attest that they're a great company to work with. All these things, which you know, you do end up, the customer does end up paying for, but it doesn't mean just the customer is happy, but everybody in the company is happy, um, which I think is important too. You know, if you're getting a cheap product, you know, somebody is not being treated well at some point. <laughs> Absolutely, that's huge. And a lot of the the companies and products that we yeah. align ourselves with are, you know, companies like that are B Corps or they have a real dedication to the culture mm-hmm. and their company and they take care of their people. And it's so much more than just a product that's cheap that you can per- like, I mean, yes, cost is always an issue, but there's so much more to a, dis- a buying decision-making process than how much does it cost me? Like there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I think that's a huge one. Yeah. I'm- we definitely want women who um, are not, you know, uh, uh, don't have the finances to pay that much upfront to have access. That's really important. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. But, you know, it's also important to have a company that that treats the workers correctly, you know, and isn't exploiting anybody. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you want to add about the Daisy or the company? Um, I know we just like totally picked your brain about everything we possibly could bring yeah. out of you. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think the one thing we didn't cover is, as I said, like Natalie Regberg created the Daisy um, on the U.S. side. Um, her actually childhood best friend runs the U.S. side of the company. The company is based out of Germany, as I meant, as I mentioned. And her father created the parent company, Valley Electronics, um, and he created it because his wife experienced the side effects of a blood clot from her hormonal birth control. Oh and goodness. and this was just over 30 years ago. And so he thought, well, there has to be a better way that doesn't endanger women. 
Um, and so that was uh, that he cre he created and developed the LadyComp device, which is the same technology as Daisy, except this was pre smart pre smartphones, pre apps. Mm. So all the data was on the LadyComp. Um, the LadyComp is still available. Some women prefer it because the screen shows all your data, mm. and so it's a really literally an all in one device. Um, and now they have the Pearly as well. And they have the Daisy, which is the latest iteration, which is the one that you sync to the Daisy View app on your phone, which actually is going through an amazing redesign right now. What's um, going to happen? Gonna be, oh, it's going to be completely different. Um, oh, and I think we really like it. So that should be later this month, I hope. Um, so, yeah. And, they'll, you know, there'll be more exciting things to come in the future. But it's really, you know, it's a father daughter run company from start to finish, really. Um, but, you know, it's it's... It, in the tech field it's really great to see women front and center producing tech for other women absolutely that is incredible thank you for sharing some of that story i know we can kind of get lost in the, the nitty-gritty details yes. of what it is but like how did it start that's just incredible there was a problem mm -hmm. there was an issue and someone thought to solve it so that is just mm -hmm. incredible thank you so much um and thank you again for being on here where can we find you how do can we connect to you if we want to learn more about your book or purchase it? Like, tell us how to get in touch with you and your work. Okay, so for, for me, everything is at sweeteningthepill.com. That links out to my book, which is on Amazon and everywhere you'd buy books, um, as well as the Facebook page for the book, which is very active. Um, and for Daisy, we have a great Instagram um, channel, which is Daisy Fertility Tracker. Um, which is a great place to get information. We do giveaways on there and, and that's where we do our, you know, twice or thrice weekly, uh, weekly, no, people would love that, yearly sales. <laughs> um, weekly sales, I would we be could do that, that would be amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, you can get a ton of information. Like we have a highlight on their FAQs, which is like actual questions asked from people through Instagram. So that should cover a lot of what people might now be sitting there thinking oh but what about this right okay perfect thank you so much holly um as always if you guys like what we are producing putting out into the world you can rate us and write a review on itunes we read every single one um you can find us on social media at laura.radicalroots and at jess.holdthespace as well as our facebook group for the modern mama's tribe um and you can always email us with questions or ideas for interviews at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com again holly thank you so much it was such a pleasure to have you Yes, thank you very much for having me. It was good to talk to you. All righty, ma'am. Have a great day. Okay, you too. I don't know what to say. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. <laughs>